Welcome to Ireland's favorite podcast, the show where we fix our BDIs and Ireland's favorite people, places, and things. From TV shows, celebrities, and historical figures, to spice bags, tea bags, and everything in between. We take a cross-eyed look into the list that define what Ireland likes best. As well as looking at the interesting details about each chart entry, we'll bring them to life through good old-fashioned tomfoolery and impersonations. So strap on your dildos and let us begin. This week's topic is the most watched television programs of 2020 in Ireland. Firstly, a big thank you this week to TAM Ireland, that's TV Audience Measurement Ireland, for making these figures public. We'll be jumping into the top 50 list, counting down the top three most viewed programs, intercut with some of our favorite picks from the rest of the list. But first, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Paddy, and seeing as we're discussing Irish television today, I guess you could call me the Brian Dobson of this podcast, reliable, reassuring, eminently professional, but with an unfaltering wit and good-natured charm at all times. And of course, the voice you heard just before mine there was my friend and co-host. And in a similar way, he could be compared to Miley from Glenrow, quick to anger, disheveled in appearance, but still a lovable, old, cute whore all the same. It's Jono. Jono, how the hell are you? I'm fantastic. I'm feeling like Miley. I'm in the gutter, but I'm looking at the stars, Patrick. <laughs> Yeah, we all know we had a tumble in the hay. It was uh, an enjoyable experience. And I hope some of the television we, we we discussed today will be half as dramatic and controversial as that episode, of, that famous episode of Glenrow. What could be? Maybe the Twin Towers? <laughs> <laughs> now, we all know everyone's favorite part of any podcast is the opening sponsorship segment. Well, we don't have one for obvious reasons, but we're big believers in visualization here on Ireland's Favourite. So, with this in mind, and with the hope of one day attracting a real sponsor, I'm going to hand it over to this week's sponsor, Carol's. Ah, there's nothing better than heading hungrily down to the kitchen at lunchtime to grab yourself a tasty Carol's ham sandwich. And as you butter the bread, you look fondly at your Carol's leprechaun souvenir. And just as you finish that last bite, how about washing it down with a smooth Carol's 100? Ah, Carol's. We make loads of fucking things. <laughs> um, well, uh, I don't know if, if I think you might have gotten the, the the wrong end of the stick there, there, Jay, huh? about what what carols do. Why? Um, uh, I don't know if they're necessarily carols ham, carols cigarettes, and carols authentic Irish <laughs> shit. It's all the same company. <laughs> what? Ah, oh, it has to be. It's the same name. Carols make everything, Patrick. Carols make life easier. Okay, so the first television show that's not in the top three that we can delve into, which is scattered across the top 50, is Dancing with the Stars, which is on RTE. It, it was the 11th most watched television program of 2020 in Ireland. This particular edition of the show was the final, the grand final. This is classic JB. I mean, it's, it's a case of RTE copying a kind of a BBC flagship program. Yeah, but with uh, a tenth of the budget. Yes, exactly. Uh, even a tenth of the budget. And the talent, of course, the available talent. Yeah, uh, you... Sounds like you're a big fan of the, of the, of the variety of programming. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not into celebrity... 
Well, I, I, I tell a lie. I like really, really shitty celebrity reality television shows. It's shows like this, and I know one that you have a soft spot for. Uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. They irk me because... Irk, they irk you. They irk me. Yeah. Urkel. I'm the irked one in this situation because it's it's the way these celebrities kind of portray their the struggles they had on this and kind of co- overcoming adversity. Like we're supposed to, you know, admire that. You know, I, I feel mm-hmm. like they, they they talk about being on a show like Dancing with the Stars the way a 13 year old might talk about their experiences in the Gale talked over the summer. You know, that they met the best yeah. friends of their life. Do you hear many of those experiences from the Gale Talks? That's a lived-in experience. Um, <laughs> I, I talk, I coming from a very personal place there, JB. Oh, I, sorry, I thought you were approaching your and asking them about their experience in the Gale Talks. Oh, yeah. so yeah. One of us had to do research for this show, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's just my point. I mean, I just think it's a bit stale. I mean, for example, a quick Wikipedia has told me there that... Um, there were 11 contestants. Wikipedia, if you will. Wikipedia, I like that. <laughs> New, is it too late to change the name of this uh, podcast? Yeah, a, a Wikipedia has told me that there were 11 contestants this year, right? And the eye, the eye challenge, I've eyeballed them and said, it's, by my count, five of the 11 contestants are either current RTE employees or mm. have previously been RTE affiliated in the past. Mm. That's and that, that's 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 a forty-five percent um, <laughs> kind of in-house <laughs> uh, contestant. It's cost-saving. It's cost-saving, but I mean, uh, if you actually see the contract of Glenda Gilson, she's employed <laughs> as a maintenance worker at Montrose. <laughs> <laughs> These are all workarounds, Paddy. You know, this is what what they expect. Speaking of dancing, actually, I got a little quiz for you here, Jonathan. Keep you on your toes. Dancing with the Stars. Okay, there were fourteen dance types. Throughout the last year's series, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, not going to ask you off all fourteen here. But mm. can you name five of the dance types that are on Dancing with the Stars? Wait, ballroom. Okay, let me just—I should be more prepared than this. Ballroom. Um, I'll give you that. It's it's classed here as a contemporary ballroom, not to be confused, okay. But classic ballroom. You're a classic. <laughs> Futuristic yeah, yeah, ballroom, yeah. <laughs> ancient ancient ballroom dancing <laughs> dinosaurs. Do you remember that they did that? Yeah, it was an very little Jurassic arms Park. though. They're not the most. <laughs> Who's leading not the most that one? Yeah, exactly. Take my arm. <laughs> so, possibly still millions of times more entertaining than than this oh, show absolutely. ever will be. That is actually actually you might want that. Get that down. Like send that over to RT. Okay, so I'll give you a ballroom. So ballroom. I'm gonna say samba. Samba, yeah, boom, nailed it. Bachacha? Well, it's actually it's, it's I, I don't know if I can give you that. It's down here as cha cha cha. Well, I actually said bachacha. So what? Bachacha. Yeah, it's a type of dance. Yeah. Oh, well, St. Patrick. Oh. Mm, surprise you. Yeah, you're, you're full of surprises. I'll give you that. Well, I spoke too soon. That's the limit of my dance okay. knowledge. Well, you did pretty no, well. Wait, 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 wait. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's give me a second here. The waltz. The waltz, yeah. You're, you're going for the classics. I like that. That's four. Yeah, you're pretty good. I mean, you're getting some 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 of the obvious or more obvious ones, but... Salsa. Yeah. And I actually had that written as Slaza. Yes, you're dead right. Well done. That's very good. The remaining ones... Ding, ding, ding. Tango. Foxtrot. Charleston, the Charleston Chew, Quick Step, Quit Jive and Me Turkey, um, the Rumba, the Paso Doble, 
the Americans and, and the American Smooth, and then you got the others. So that was that was, that was pretty good going there, Jay. The pretty pretty on that one. The American Smooth, yeah, it's uh, it's like a condom brand <laughs> or a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, or well, both. I mean, that's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of potential in that branding. <laughs> it's like a Don Draper of, of products. Yeah, get your American Smooth. Just don't, uh, don't mix up where you put the lighter, Patrick. That's what I'd say. <laughs> American rough. <laughs> you have to take the American rough with the American smooth, I'm afraid. You'll end up with an American hot dog at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> a wiener. <laughs> <laughs> we got a wiener. Come on down. Um, right, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So, yeah, yeah I, shows I, where, where, where basically, well, we're, we're, we're saying we're both not fans. Yeah. We, we don't understand other people are fans in our fascist, yes. narrow-minded ways of thinking. Exactly. Okay. They're wrong. They're wrong. We're right. Wasn't um, Nathan Carter on Dancing with the Stars? No, it was actually his brother, Jake Carter, won a previous um, edition two of, of the show. Uh, wait, what's, mm, I mean, what, have you got an issue right. with that? You, you, you seem to have some kind of issue with the Carter brothers. You know, you know my, <laughs> I do. You know my opinion on Nathan Carter. So you get this guy, basically, who is a massive star in Ireland, isn't from Ireland, is from Liverpool, yet sings in Ireland to large audiences of country Irish people in an American accent. Correct. And you have a problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's, I mean, a problem. I don't know if it's a problem, per se. You know, it's just... It's your accent you have a problem with. Mine. His accent. His accent. Well, I find the whole thing, I just, like, the idea of him, you know, you're at a, you're at a, he, they're at a gig in Westmead, some some guys, farmer guys, ranch. Uh, <laughs> accurate, accurate. He's a rich ranch rancher. He's a rich rancher, and his name is Rich Rancher. <laughs> Richard M. Rancher. <laughs> the Rich Rancher. <laughs> Nominative determinism <laughs> at its finest. <laughs> Except he was desperately poor. He was absolutely, ironically, desperately poor. Um, he lived in an inner city tenement. He did. Uh, now, good old, good old Nathan, as he is, and he said, "You, you can't. You're telling me. You can't be telling me lies. You're telling me rich ransom, rich ransoms. They're poor now." Get me over to Ireland now. I mean, uh, uh, get me down the road and I'm going to talk to my friend Rich Rancher and see how I can get him back on his feet. So, you know, he drops down, he talks to the Rich and he's like, you know, let's get a concert going. Suddenly, all the tractors roll up on the opening night. Fe- feed the Rich is what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> a, a night of country music <laughs> on the ranch. <laughs> That was all in small. Rich. <laughs> he opens up. He's like, "Hello, everybody. I hope you're all having a great time out there, like tonight. Rich. Yeah, yeah. I love Ireland. Me love being over here. I mean, home. I mean, home. I like being home all the time, and it's great. And uh, now let's sing a good old song for all of you guys. Well, take me home." Morning star, oh no, down to Westmead town, seen girl and laid down. 
Right, so Pog, this is the first time we're breaking the top 10 in terms of the top 50 programs of 2020. Number three on the chart, and it is the nine o'clock news on March 17th, the famous day in which we celebrate that Welsh guy. Paddy's Day is, was certainly for me, one of the dates in the calendar when I was growing up. As in, if I, I, I could be wrong here, Paddy, but it was a day when I got uh, quite drunk, and I think that might be the same for for yourself. What is your own yeah? I think uh, there's probably nothing too shocking and too revelatory in a couple of guys in their early thirties um, whose association with our national day would be getting absolutely shitfaced on a street somewhere or a field somewhere or a house somewhere. I mean, it, it it's quite literally St Patrick's Day is quite literally a holy shit show for most of us um, in so far as we get holy shit-faced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you see what I did there? I mean, I, it grew off me fairly quickly, i got to be honest. Um, I was a fan of it up until, uh, really until the point I, I kind of made a decision that it is the most violent day of the year. Maybe Halloween runs it close, but in Ireland, I think there's quite a lot of uh, aggravation, uh, shall we say. When I was younger, I suppose, though, you know, I think that's when when it was more of a, a magical, um, let's say, occasion. You know, when you'd, I don't know about yourself, but I went, well, you know, being a, being a Dubliner, being from Crumlin, I wasn't too far from town. And yeah, I went quite regularly, actually, to the parade uh, when we were, uh, when I was a kid. And my dad would obviously drove me on, on his shoulders to watch the magical and you know, wondrous cheerleaders from America do their thing going down. In, in the lashings of rain. In the lashings of rain. They've come over from Chicago expecting it to be, you know, Utah. A, nice, <laughs> a nice spring Utah. day. Uh, it's, funny Utah. it's funny you should mention that because I'm obviously not <laughs> from Dublin, which may shock all of our listeners. I'm from Wicklow because we actually, there was a parade in Bray not around anymore I believe and I actually I walked in it one year would you believe I was that Utah you know cheerleader for one one year maybe 1999 2000 maybe something like that mm. I walked uh, I was proudly marching um, as a, as a yeah, member of the Enniscary Beaver Scouts Cub Scouts whatever <laughs> <laughs> the, the Enniscary Beaver Boys <laughs> EBB <laughs> well look Patrick you got the legs for it certainly. I do I had and I, well I did then as a nubile young boy <laughs> marching down in, once again in the last <laughs> so yeah like I mean St. Patrick's Day is the day of drinking the day of the parades when, when you're a kid but of course we'd have to give a cursory more than cursory mention to the man himself Saint and your namesake, uh, Saint Patrick. I don't know what his second name is, but I presume it's Shamrock Ireland. It's probably Jones, no? (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Jones, yeah. I've come over on a flight from a Ryanair flight. (laughs) See how you're doing over here. I'm trying to find Delilah. So, move on to back into the top three. This time, number two, the number two, second most viewed television program, if you can call it that, um, was Leo Varadkar's ministerial broadcast, also 
on St. Patrick's Day of last year, the 17th of March, 2020. Yeah, so it, it, it was one of those times. It was one of the first, I believe it was the first um, of these kind of T-shock announcements. We were still kind of in the early days of COVID at the time. So we really didn't really know what was going to be said at each time. There weren't as many leaks. There was a lot of kind of fear, but you know, people were afraid at the time. So it came on at 9 p.m. on St. Patrick's Day. Leo came out and he said his thing. I mean, the, the speech itself, uh, I mean... He actually didn't, I've looked back at it there, and he didn't actually have too much specifics to speak at the time. I think this was more of a kind of a setting, a precedent of how the next few months were going to be. It was going to be more, we were going to learn more stuff. The public were going to hear more from the government over the next coming months as the situation kind of became a bit more clearer. Yeah, I mean, the, the speech itself was, I mean, don't want to sound like I'm giving too much credit. I mean, it was it was a well was kind of a well-written, I think he came across relatively well. He was essentially just saying that it's going to be tough. The health service is starting to take its toll at this time. He's asking for people to kind of start being more considerate, you know, try staying. I don't believe he went into level five at this time, but it was kind of foreshadowing it. So that was kind of the background of the speech itself. Yeah, that was a good background context of that speech. No, I think you're right in saying it wasn't a, you know, a plan kind of speech, a, a kind of detail-oriented speech. It was a, a rallying cry, a, a galvanizing moment, I suppose. And I think, as you will know, Pog, uh, as some people might get to know, if, if anyone at all is, is listening to this, is that I'm, I wouldn't be the biggest fan, let's say, of Leo nor his party colleagues. But, you know, I'm not one-eyed enough to not compliment somebody when they deserve compliments and I think in that occasion the speech was absolutely delivered very well written very well and that's his that's his but you know his strength is is, is communication for communication he's a shrewd politician we're veering into the into the serious the, the heavy heavy shit so if you may allow me to drag it back down into the, the muck and the mire of a uh, less important stuff I have a little game for you Jonathan this could either be seen as uh, something that Leo did that was great or something he did that was very cringeworthy. And it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a blurred line between those. But I'm going to read, I'm, gonna, I'm calling this Leo, the Leo Varadkar pop culture bingo. Okay. The game in no way resembles bingo, but I thought it, uh, it sounded good off the tongue. Okay, so I have, obviously he was, obviously Leo T-Shock of the time was kind of known and known for kind of dropping in a little uh, little pop culture reference or two into into his public addresses with hilarious results. I'm going to read the quote and I'm going to throw it to you, JB, and you can see if you can place that reference. Are you, are you game? Throw it at my face, Pug. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go for in and around the face, the facial area. The facial area. Okay, number one on Leo Pop Culture Bingo. We can influence what's going to happen to us next. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. Oh, I don't need a clue for that one as well. It, it, it's a cool. film. It's a film. I'm going to call, I'm going to say, say it, it's a classic. It's a classic. You, 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 you'll definitely, if, if I know you correctly, will love this. I'm going to say it was like the early nineties. It's a, a character, obviously in, in that film. It was a sequel actually. Terminator 2. Ding, ding, ding. It was, yes, what? it was Terminator 2. I, are you joking? I, I, I would never joke about Leo Varadkar pop culture bingo. I wouldn't be so, uh, it's a serious, Terminator serious content. Two. Terminator 2, John Connor. Two more this thrilling segment here. Okay. In the end, it's only a passing thing. 
the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out all the clearer. Well, I do know this one, Addy, because I am a bit of a geek. And that is a Lord of the Rings quote. Yes, ding, 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 you're correct. But I can only accept this one if you know what character from Lord of the Rings it said. And which film? Pretty, certain, pretty certain it's Frodo and the Return of the King. Yeah, like the Torrid film. Huh? It's, 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 it's neither of those, I'm afraid. Oh, what? I thought he's, when he's on the eagle's back. He's on the pig's back, baby. I'll give you one more guess for the, the character. The film is The Two Towers. Okay, I'm going in there. I'm going back in there. That is Gandalf. Um, no. <laughs> what? No. Whatever, wherever I saw this, it was not a tribute to Gandalf or Frodo. Well, but just tell me now. Like... I mean, you, it's Sam. Samwise Gamgee. Gamgee. Gamgee? Gamgee? Never a fan of Sam. Never liked him. Um, <laughs> it's controversial, but I've just never liked him. So I've chosen, I, I actively choose not to remember any of Sam's participation in the film. And That's it's significant. Fair. So uh, I managed to cut out at least a third of most of the films. <laughs> Must have made a lot of sense, right. that film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, it's just, no, stop, Frodo. So yes, it did. In fact, it had absolutely no bearing on the narrative whatsoever. Um, and final one to round off what has been thrilling, I'm sure you'll agree. Some have asked whether there is a limit to what we can achieve. My answer is that limit does not exist. It's a popular teen film. It may be a popular teen film. <laughs> Ridges of Madison County. No, uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's character. <laughs> no, it's uh, what was that? Uh, you don't even. Oh, okay. This too is fast, yeah. too furious. No, um, no, I know it's Mean Girls. It oh. is Mean Girls, of course. Yeah, well done. I think that was the one that kind of he slipped in. <laughs> oh, matron. He slipped in without kind of you know expecting people to know it. And then subsequently, he kind of took the mick and started doing it a lot for, to, for, to varying uh, levels of effectiveness. But yeah, no, well done. You, you were pretty good there. Yeah, so, yeah, that was Leo, I suppose. Leo's speech to the nation that we were all gripped by. But um, we'll close that one out with one final detail. It's, of course, the, the advice that uh, Leo delivered to a panicked public watching at home. And, of course, keen doggers alike. Leo? come together by staying apart. And we'll move on. Okay, so the next show that we're going to hop into here and kind of review is was the 45th most watched program of 2020, and it was The Boys in Green, which chronicles the period of Irish soccer. Ole, 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 ole. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Exactly. I couldn't have summed it up better myself. The Ole Ole era from 1986 up until 96, which was Jack Charlton was the manager of the Irish national soccer team. The heyday. The heyday. The halcyon days. I always yeah. get that word wrong when I try to pronounce it. Yeah. So Jack Charlton was the manager. It saw some of the most famous moments in Irish soccer history, obviously covering Euro 88, Italia 90, 94, of course. So, I mean... Yeah, so I don't know, John. What, what what's your take on this on this doc? Oh, look, I mean, as as we touched on there, the that period of Irish soccer obviously was was the golden age. You know, I think there's much much debate still rages today about you know. I think the past of the time has has been kind on Jack. I would say maybe up to about ten years ago, perhaps you know, it was, it was a big conversation between a lot of Irish football fans about whether 
that team could have done better. You know, I know my brother is an opinion of uh, with with the squad that we had at that time that perhaps with a more forward thinking manager, we actually could have achieved more, which is it's hard to kind of think about that when you when you look at today's performances, you know, and you see the Irish team that we are at the minute. And, you know, you look back at these these videos of, uh, you know, Italian 90, whatever, and it's hard when someone says to you, oh, we could have done better. You know, it, it, you feel like, well, could we have? Well, look, I think for me, we were when we were the same age, Paddy, born in 89. I think for me, growing up, Jack was almost like a presidential figure or something, wasn't he? You know, he was something that that he just kind of, you know, he felt like a, an elder a statesman. In, in, look, I didn't know who Mary McAleese was. I didn't know who really who Bertie Hearn was or any of these, but, but everyone knew who Jack was, you know. Yeah, uh, that's, it's funny you should say that because just my notes here scribble down. I have down that me and you were at the same age and we were kind of of that soccer fandom in the post-Jack Charlton era where everything was kind of compared to what happened during Jack Charlton's reign. And I mean, the team probably was playing better football, but it was always old people, older relatives were saying how great it was back then. And Italia 90 was treated as this kind of religious event. You know, it was like the greatest times of all time. And which that was probably to the detriment of the team going into the, post Jack Charlton era under Mick McCarthy because mm. it was always hanging over. But yeah, I mean, I mean the doc, I mean, the doc speaks for itself. It's about, that period was about moments, memories, et cetera, et cetera, and not like really about the, the quality on the pitch. Yeah, so that was the, that was obviously, look, the boys in green was, was orientated around the, the, the Jack years. But we know famously after the Jack years came the, the Mick years, the big Mickey years, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we may have an exclusive here related to this is a world exclusive of what really went down that fateful afternoon on a deserted island off the coast of Japan in 2002 it was Godzilla wasn't it it was a Godzilla attack um, <laughs> it was way more way more uh, <laughs> it's so more seismic than uh, that uh, in Saipan yeah, yeah 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 so let's let's push press play <laughs> Okay, I'll press play. Oh, Mickey's so funny. Well, that's right, that's right. Did I ever tell you about that time I was I, I was in the bar with Piers Brosnan, 007? Piers Brosnan? That's right, that's right, James Bond. I can be your 006. Oh, 006, if you get mad. Oh, Mickey's so funny. Mick! Mick! Oh, here we go. What's wrong now, Robbie? Mick, I was over there. Uh, me and Duffer are playing heads and volleys. And, what do you uh, mean you're playing heads and volleys? No bloody balls, kid. We are jumpers. We are ASICs jumpers, all right? And uh, we, we, were, we were there flicking her up. And next minute we seen Roy's just leaving the, the pitch. And, and he's shouting stuff for himself. What, what, here, I can't follow you, Robbie. Here, Damien, what's all this about Roy? Don't bother Okay, okay. What about that night in Malta then? But what? He went to the ground. He stands in Ballard's Bridge. Okay, okay. And, and what about is Kenny Cunningham in the garden nose? Okay, well. No, Damien, I've got to give it to you. I have a face of 
of a ship that's fair, but you don't have to speak like a prince. But you know, even so, even so, even so, you've put a so eloquently. I mean, I've had it up to here with Roy. He's on the, he's been on the man of me for ten years. I was captain of Ireland way before he was. I've, I've fucking brought this country to quarter, quarter final of World Cup. I, I'm, I've had it up to here with him. I'm done with him. He's out. Oh yeah, Mick. Oh, you can't be like that now. Seriously, I mean, for all you know, he really could have gone for Saki. Saki, Saki. Well, I'm going to have two birds sucking my balls later on. Okay, so the next show that we're going to discuss was the 46th most watched program of 2020, and it was Hunger, the story of the Irish famine, broadcast on the 30th of November on RTE. So, Jonathan, tell me, what were your thoughts? Tell me about the famine. Uh, the famine, Harry, the famine, the famine, the famine. What is the famine? I've never heard of that before um, as an Irish person. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't mean to like uh, light of famine, I suppose. But <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. The facts that we all know, it's obviously something that's very much driven into Irish students in school. We kind of, wherever we go in the world, it's. I think it's one of those things that we, when we're speaking about British imperialism or whatever it's never too far down the list of the first things we, we mentioned um, when it comes to atrocities but it started in 1884 and I think it stretched to 1852 excuse me thank you. 1952 now maybe in a few counties <laughs> but by 1952 it's estimated that um, the population of Ireland had fallen from 8.4 million to 6.6 million a million of those, I suppose, died of starvation or from typhus or other famine-related diseases. Um, and the remainder, obviously, were, you know, had emigrated uh, as a result. And it's often, I suppose, credited with the reason why we, we have such a, a small population today, I suppose. I personally think that there is a lack of real knowledge about the famine <laughs> in Irish people. Okay, okay. Like in my schooling, whatever, 20 odd years, whatever, I was in school and then college. And I did history, of course, famously, history degree. (laughs) (laughs) Famously. Yeah. But I feel like they probably skirted around the actual famine details. And I thought that this documentary does a very good job of coloring in, kind of filling in the, the kind of the knowledge gaps around what caused the famine what happened in, during the years of the famine, what, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and it does so in a very, I don't want to use like entertaining or I suppose engaging might be a better word because mm. it's very well made, very well produced. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, yeah. I mean, come on. I, I mean, if you wanted to, what better man to lend gravitas to a production? Yeah, he, I, he, I did, it's not the first one he's done either, is it? He's, yeah, I think he'd done The Rising maybe before that, was it? He definitely, yeah, he did, the, he did the rising. And Jonathan, would you believe what a great segue that is? He's got form here, has, has the bailed lean. I just have a few, few, few topics that he's done narration for before. Mm-hmm. You have the 1916 rising, you're dead right. Martin Luther, the reformist Martin Luther, and one about Ernest Shackleton, documentary about mm-hmm. Ernest Shackleton. So, yeah, obviously big topics, you know, serious topics. Also, something called A Winter's Star. Yeah, I can only assume is <laughs> is a, is a historically accurate and very graphic retelling of the birth of Christ. Mm. So Mary and Joseph set off on their arduous journey. 
across Bethlehem. <laughs> you got a phone call from God. He's <laughs> I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. But you've got my wife miraculously pregnant. Um, I'm going to have to raise your child. And you better pay me some sort of maintenance support for, for doing these things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, he's good at them. He's good at the old voiceovers. It's hard to imagine anyone else doing as good a job talking about the Irish famine. Because I think if, like, what would have happened if, say, a different Irish celebrity would have taken the taken the wheel on this and would it have had the same effects? Mm. I mean, someone like, say, Ronan Keating, maybe, uh, narrating mm. it. If Ronan Keating narrated it, of course, it could have been called When You Eat Nothing At All. <laughs> Story of the Irish family. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I won't be allowed to go home ever. Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, no, I like that. I think uh, yeah. uh, it would be a fitting tribute to to see Ronan sing on uh, towards the Irish Sea where our forefathers left many, many years ago. I mean, that's why um, they were leaving because Ronan. They knew what was. Singing. Yeah, there was an old woman. An old woman came down from Coke Patrick two hundred years ago and foretold. There will be a man. Now, obviously, all this is in ancient Gaelic, but uh, there will be a man, and he will sing the voice of a new world and the face of a baby and the voice of a baby. And he will lead us astray, and we must leave before he gets to us. When the going gets tough. <laughs> what was that you said? What was that? <laughs> Come here, you good things, you mad things. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, look, anyway, that was the, the story of the Irish famine, so... It is mental. It, it's pretty mental. So between, I suppose, an estimate of two, two to three million people lost to Ireland, I suppose, uh, ultimately either through death or, or through immigration. But, but thankfully, uh, in 1853, uh, things changed, as we, we know, when Filippo Silvio arrived in Rosslare from Naples. And, you know, famously, he, he went on to distribute one million spice burgers around the country at that point and started what we know today as, as the local cheaper. So fantastic. Um, Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. A hero, a real hero. And you know, Silvio's is an institution. There's no doubt about that. Okay. So we'll move on to the next topic and that is, well, it's the number one entry on the chart of the most watched television shows of 2020 and look i think if you sat there for a few minutes in your rocking chair you'd get to the answer fairly quickly do you want to take a guess Paddy, what that is i'm going well the fact is that i know <laughs> so, <laughs> well i also know that stuff but you're right Something. i would I, I, I would have guessed it correctly so and <laughs> i won't spoil your moment <laughs> Yo, spoil you're, the big you're pulling the magician's curtain up you're like that bloke in the early 2000s who ratted out all the magicians and <laughs> With a mask on it. Yeah, with a mask on oh, it. love that show, man. It's the late, late show. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this man? We're in a gimp mask. Yeah, that, don't think that would go down too well. Okay, so it is the Late Late Toy Show. You're absolutely correct. And it was broadcast on the... So a few, a few uh, you know, a few facts before we get into uh, the discussion. It was broadcast on the 27th of November, 2020, um, and had 1.7 million viewers, which is obviously massive for Ireland. It started in 1975. Yes, that is a long show. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was long watching it, but well, 40-odd years. So, yeah, look, these are the, it's been running for 46 years. It's an institution in Ireland. We all have our 
opinions on it. I, I, I suppose I'll ask I'll, I'll ask Patrick's first before giving my own. What's your What are your yeah. thoughts on the toy uh, show? I mean, it doesn't really the, the the late night toy show doesn't really do it for me, and I haven't in my adult years. I've never really seen like what everyone else has seen, and I feel a bit press ganged or pressured into enjoying it every year. Yeah, but look, okay. So look, I have nieces. I have I have uh, one nephew, and. I buy them toys. They're young, so I buy them toys. You know, so I, it is good. It's informative, I suppose. I also think that children don't enjoy it as much as they, I think the kids like the hype going into it, and so like get the goodies in, yada yada. But it's really long. It's on late, and I find like in my own nephew nieces, they kind of watch it for the start, and then mm. more or less give up on it. And I think I did the same as a child myself. So it is just the adults end up watching it. I, that's what I think. I 100% agree. I was actually just going to say that in my recollection of it, yeah, the first few parts were interesting or engaging, I suppose. But then I think that, you know, I think what it does basically is, is as a child, if you're watching it, you're looking at it going, oh, this guy's playing with his toys. Actually, I have toys. Maybe I'll play with my toys. And then you end up just like sitting in front of the television while the grown-ups watch it and you're just actually playing with your own toys because you've been inspired by the toy show, which, you know... That's a good thing, I suppose. Yeah. yeah <laughs> who is the best presenter? Well, what no, did Tam Ireland have to say about it? <laughs> <laughs> Tam, baby, what do you think? <laughs> I, I don't like gay burn for first. Uh, sorry, that's Tam. <laughs> that's Tam. <laughs> Tam is so sassy. <laughs> Tam is a sassy, sassy lady. Uh, sassy um, corporate uh, <laughs> entity. <laughs> corporate pawn. Um, yeah, so I look. Uh, who, who do you think was the, the uh, for opinion? Okay. Who was the best presenter? Because oh, we look. Let's be clear as well. We we are a generation which has had all three. The luckiest generation of all in Ireland <laughs> who have lived through Gabriel and Pat Kenny and Ryan Tuberty. That's what I want on my gravestone. Uh, right. You know, I, I'm true, Gabriel. <laughs> I mean, when you say live through, it sounds like I... Outlived them all. It was an experience. Yeah, well, no, I was like, mm. I, I survived. I survived <laughs> <Yeah>. them. <laughs> the real pandemic. <laughs> the never-ending pandemic. It's like a, it's like a Doctor Who. He just kind of uh, morphs into a different back person every, yeah. every 20 years. Yes, it comes uh, out of a post box. <laughs> <laughs> An on-post box. Sorry, God. Wipes his nose. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of the post box. Now, the toy show. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, but um, I, to your question, it's a toughie. I think personally, I mean, we, we were kids. You have that kind of nostalgic draw to, to Gabo in his jumper. Probably He's the OG in fairness. Then Pat, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if the, the format suited Pat too, too much, really. And uh, Tubbs, I mean... Tubbs gives it. Tubbs leans into the to the to the toy show, makes it all about him a bit. But uh, I don't know. You, you I'm going to sit on the fence on this one and let you. You obviously um, have an opinion, so I want to hear. I, I really no. I, I you know weirdly, I would echo almost exactly what you said. I I, I think Gabo because was at a young age just has that nostalgic kind of appeal. I suppose I don't even. I, I don't know, like. You know, I've never sat down and objectively thought about kind of my opinion on Gabe Bourne. Kenny's different because Kenny's still broadcasting today. So, you know, he's still present in the public consciousness. I'm not 
a massive fan, I'll be honest. <laughs> but I know a lot of people do like him and he's a good broadcaster. But I, I agree with what you're saying. I think he's very current affairs yeah. type guy. And it's a bit, it's what, like, I mean, obviously on the serious topics, he was good. On the serious topics, he was good. I will give it to, to him. I think some of the best toy show moments throughout the years have fallen at Pat's lap, shall we say. He <laughs> <laughs> um, doesn't like buildings, though. He doesn't like buildings close to his zones. <laughs> he doesn't like being close to buildings. <laughs> he doesn't like construction. He has an aversion to constru- his constructionophobia. He has hates builders, notoriously. Hates yeah, them. So yeah, you'll never Pat- see... You go into a deli in town at nine o'clock in the morning, you will not see Pat Kenny there because he knows builders are going to be in there. And that's not where Pat was. That's the be. only reason why you wouldn't see Pat Kenny in a spark getting the breakfast phone in the morning. Otherwise, he'd be there. He, well, he sends in a helper to get them <laughs> dressed as a builder. It's all it's all one big web. Um, <laughs> confusing web. Anyway, it brings us on to our friend, our current presenter. Just uh, as a sort of segue, I read someone on Twitter the other day. I really don't know who this is, so don't. You know, this is not me saying, but someone put up, Ryan Trumby gets paid 9,000 euro a week to do what exactly? Now, I don't know if that figure is true, but if that figure is true, look, let's be honest. Let's be clear about Ryan, right? We all know he has a Savile thing about him, don't we? <laughs> Jesus don't he? Christ. Didn't he, didn't he you work? Me, you've caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> didn't he start out with Savile's estate agents? <laughs> <laughs> oh, very, you, you, you got me there. Oh yeah, I got it, man. You got to be very aware of litigious people <laughs> and, and litigation and laws and defamation. Ireland has some of the strictest defamation laws in the world, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to look that up, it's uh, yeah. It's We're talking about Brian Schlubrity. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Coat yeah, of, of fiend. To a I was talking about Rianne to Yeah, I, I, yeah, like, I mean, he is, he is divisive, you know. People seem to like him, although you don't meet too many people who will publicly say that they like him, but people obviously do like him. Mm. And I do think, in, in fairness to him, I'm going to be, I'll give him, give him some props here. He does very much, like, he obviously enjoys the toy show and he really does throw himself into it. Mm. And, like he does like he, I mean, could you could you imagine Pat Kenny or even Gay Byrne like doing singing in the rain, performing singing in the rain with a bunch of like trained dancers? No, uh, no, and I, I agree with you there. I think definitely his, his the more experience he's got, uh, it's the, the more relaxed he seems about it. You know, I think that's benefited him. I think when he forced the first kind of few that he did, people were looking to kind of pounce at him a bit, and you know that has to be said. But as he's gone on, he seems to have gotten a bit more kind of got his groove into it, you know, where you, because, you know, you know, that show is all about having the balance between entertaining the kids, but also giving a, a nod and a wink to the parents with, you know, kind of different kinds of euphemisms and whatever else. Like, <laughs> he, yeah. he, dro- he actually, he, he dropped an F-bomb. That, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember that one. Yeah, is that what Why it was? Why did I say F-bomb? We've been swearing on. Yeah. He said fuck, yeah. <laughs> you fucking dirty bastard. Oh, he actually, did you see, I don't know if, if you caught that one, it was, the whole bit was he was having a tea party or something with some kid, some young girl, and she <laughs> on the show. All so, oh, right, yeah, sorry, back in the tea. Oh, all right, sorry, yeah. <laughs> a tea party. <laughs> Where's the tea then? He was Brian, having a Boston tea party with some board in the Shelbourne Hotel. <laughs> uh, 
I've lost my train. You know, this isn't going to say anything more euphemistic. He opened a, a he was opening a bottle of Fanta and it fizzed everywhere. Uh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Oh, I do declare. <laughs> and he said, fuck a Fanta, anyone? <laughs> he kind of went like that, which is good save, I thought. He did save it, did he? I might have been imagining the save. I think I would have done that. Oh, uh, that's look, that's worth nine grand alone. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, this is worth nine. Fucking <laughs> 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 Fanta, anyone? Nine grand. <laughs> there you go. That's nine grand, please. So now we've reached the end of today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it as much as we did uh, making it. Um, Jonathan, have you got any final thoughts? Just that, yeah, I, I, I certainly enjoy myself, Patrick. I'm, I'm sure you did. Really need people's feedback and yeah, and support. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I'd like to just echo that uh, sentiment. Your support is very much appreciated. Actually, Paddy, uh, speaking of support, <laughs> one last surprise. So leading us out tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have Michael Caine and uh, Bob Cat from Police Academy Films. We had some laughs. We shot the shit. Now we've come to the final bit. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. In a very special way. We hope you had some fun with us. Beside a weirdo on the bus. So relieving for last. See you again. On the islands. Favourite. Podcast. Podcast. It's podcast. <laughs> <laughs>